the Cambridge Marketing Podcast with Kiran Kapoor. Brought to you by Cambridge Marketing College. See their range of courses and apprenticeships at marketingcollege.com. Hello and welcome. This week we are talking about cybersecurity um, as part of Cybersecurity Awareness Month. And my guest is Dulcie McCleary, who is the principal PR manager for Tenable, which is a cybersecurity firm. Dulcie, welcome and thank you for your time this morning. Um, can we talk about cybersecurity? What does it actually mean? So basically, cybersecurity is about how individuals and organisations um, reduce the risk of a cyber attack. Um, so it's about the people, the processes and the technology um, that basically help to protect themselves. Okay, so we're sort of we're all aware of things like sort of phishing attacks when you get these sort of dodgy links in. I'm assuming it's a bit more complicated than that. Um, yes and no. Um, so, I mean, it, it covers cybersecurity covers a vast array of different types of of attacks. So you've got ransomware attacks, you've got social engineering, phishing, as you rightly said, um, you know, SQL injection. There's a vast array of different types of attacks. I mean, and, and at their core, um, they're all bas basically, um, you know, they've got the same thing in mind. It's a cyber attacker, um, be that um, an individual, a gang, a nation state, looking to compromise systems um, for information or data that they can then monetize or use um, to, to um, either bring an organization to its knees, steal data that they can monetize or for any other nefarious tasks. Okay, I'm quite, I've always been quite intrigued by the idea that data can be monetized. Um, so mm. without trying to turn the audience into um, thinking this is an easy way of making money, what does, how do you monetize data? Um, I mean, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because, you know, when we think about, you know, our, you know, our usernames and our passwords and we sort of like we think, you know, well, what can a cyber attacker do with that? And actually, they can do quite a lot. So when we think of um, our usernames and our passwords, they are basically our keys to our digital identity and to a threat actor selling that to somebody else. Um, is a way for them to make money out of it. So obviously, you know, if you use the same username and the same password to unlock a number of your digital doors, by selling, by if it, in, if your if that information is stolen in one data breach, and selling that to um, to a threat actor who could then try it in a various number of other doors to unlock them and see what they can get, is valuable. Um, you know, when we think of our credit card details, you know, there are vast databases of credit card details that have been stolen and are used in that way. Um, you know, so that's another way. For an organisation, if your data is stolen at the moment with ransomware attacks, there's quite a lot of those going on at the moment. So for a ransomware attack, you know, you've got the threat of your information just being leaked online can be enough to make an organisation pay um, the extort the money that they're that the uh, threat actor is trying to extort um, also you know they can encrypt the data which means that your systems are locked and then you can't function that's another way that they can try and make you pay money um, or they can even you know th the latest thing with ransomware attacks is they're talking about destroying your data and when you think about you know if your all your systems suddenly went offline most organizations would be unable to function so that can be another mm. um, key pressure to make you pay money. Yes, sorry, slight pause there where I hyperventilate <laughs> about the idea of my organisation losing all its data. Um, so you're, you're, I, I think we all know about the term hacker, um, and I know there mm -hmm. are white hat hackers that are, are sort of um, 
testing things out in a good way and then there are hackers yeah. hackers but you're talking about threat actors so what other types of names of people do we have in cybersecurity? Yeah, I suppose the reason that I use threat actor is because, for me, a hacker is just somebody who can manipulate a computer, whether it's for good or for bad. And like you quite rightly say, you know, we've got white hats and we've got, you know, grey hats and black hats. Um, so I use the term threat actor because it can it can be more than that. It can be um, hacktivists, you know, people who are who are just hacking to cause destruction or, de- or to cause mayhem um, versus those criminal hackers. Um, and then you've got nation states who, you know, are government sponsored and we've seen quite a lot of that going on at the moment with you know the war in Ukraine and and different hackers on different sides causing um, disruption and destruction so I suppose that's why I use the term threat actor I find it intriguing that I mean I always thought the nation state side of it was something perhaps dreamt up by John le Carre but there is actually <laughs> a, a genuine threat from nation state hacking there is a genuine threat, yes, um, and you know it, and and it's not just um, you know it's it's not sort of like just government against government. You know there are people who um, who are you know who who want to like I say hacktivists. You know who get involved in in different um, views and idealisms that get involved in in using um, computers to cause um, you know issues for us all you know, as individuals. And I suppose that's the thing, you know, as to, as more of us use technology, more of our lives are impacted when something happens to that technology. I suppose that's true. And of course, one of the big issues is that we aren't necessarily taught how to protect yourself. So we're going to talk about that in a second. But mm. it is something that you just sort of use the technology. I mean, since 2020, when the lockdown, we all rushed to use online technology. We just sort of learnt it as we went along. Maybe we weren't taught the cybersecurity aspect of that as it happened. Yeah, and, and that's a really interesting one, isn't it? I mean, you know, we've all... when and, and it goes two ways. You know, for us as individuals using technology, we want it to be functional. We want it to make our lives easier. And when we start seeing, you know, use a 12-lettered a password that has capital letters, numbers, symbols, you know, and, and doesn't involve your dog's name, you know, we start to get, you know, why is it so complicated? But then when you start mm. to realise that actually, you know, you wouldn't want a key to your front door that was, you know, really easy to break, break through, and yet we don't have the same... Um, views to our, our digital identities and then from if we flip that over as well as people who create technology who create devices for us to use you know like our light bulbs and, and you know IOT devices in our homes they want to make that as easy as possible for us to use because you know if we had to you know update and and you know our, our light bulbs every time we switch them on chances are we'd get frustrated and not use them so you've got that that balance between functionality with security and it's who is responsible you know you know who is responsible for protecting what you know for us as individuals using technology are we responsible for making sure that we are cyber secure or is it the companies who are creating the technology for us to use is it their responsibility to make sure that we are cyber secure um, and i suppose from my perspective i think it's a balance between both Yes, I mean, as I, th- I think we would think in normal crime that you, you protect yourself to a certain level and then it's up to society to do the rest of it. There should be a, a two-way thing. So tell me a little bit about um, ways that you can use something like internal comms because your expertise in, is in PR and therefore communications. So how can one use internal communications to help an organisation with cybersecurity? 
So as um, as an organisation, I think it's really important that you educate the people within your organisation on their role in protecting that organisation. So, you know, it can be um, as simple as, you know, don't download um, certain apps or different software that you ha- that the IT team are, un- are unaware of. Um, it can be things like, you know, um, we have a lot of what we call social engineering attacks where people build, where threat actors build up a profile of people and will then target them to try and infiltrate an organisation. So it's about being careful about what we are putting about ourselves on social media. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you wouldn't go on holiday and announce that before you go on, well, some people do, on social media. And then, um, you know, so a, a, um, a burglar would know that your house is empty for X amount of, of weeks. And it's the same mm-hmm. with um, with cybersecurity and you as an individual. Be careful about what you are putting on social media that somebody could use against you. So if you are putting things on there like your first um, school that you went to, the first street you lived in, your pet's first name, those sorts of things can be pieced together because um, they're typically used as security questions to, uh, to mm-hmm. um, identify yourself online. Sorry, hackers actually go to the um, to the level of gathering that sort of information. Yeah, we do see that. Um, I mean, and a typical example um, as a business that you would see is somebody targeting an individual based on the role that they are within the organisation and who the other people are within the organisation. So we call that something called the business email compromise attack. So basically what that means is where threat actors will research individuals based within organisations and they will target people based on that information. So it could be an, somebody from accounting and they will be sent an email that purports to be from the CEO of the organisation asking that person to make a payment on their behalf and it could be for mm-hmm. any anything um, and and it's basically that kind of information that threat actors are looking for online where they can try and trick somebody into doing something that they might not do so like I said that could be from the CEO asking to make a payment it could be from somebody within the IT team asking you to upgrade your system and download software from a certain email you know um, a certain URL address and then mm-hmm. you know what you're downloading isn't actually you know the software that the IT team have asked you, but you know a threat actor has sent you to a malicious website. So that's the sort of thing that we need to be careful about: what we are putting out about ourselves online that threat actors can use against us. Wow. So basically, what you're saying is that for corporate cyber security, you are as secure as your weakest link. Basically, yes. Um, but that doesn't so, mean that, you know, that that means that humans are the problem, um, you know, from a technical, you know, and that's why I said, you know, before about, you know, it's the people, it's the processes, it's the technology. So if we mm-hmm. recognise that there are threat actors that are using this information against us, it's about putting things in place that would prevent that. So, you know, a business email compromise attack that looks to try and get somebody to download um, malware by having um, firewalls and other types of technology to try and prevent that from happening you know is how a business can also protect itself so it's educating its users what not to do but also having the processes and technology in place to try and double it reinforce that so that if somebody were to do something that they shouldn't there are other places to catch that kind of activity that's really interesting. So tell me more about how I can use internal communications to help with that. Is it just raising awareness or are there other things I should be doing? 
Um, I think there's, um, you know, when we go into internal communications, there are a whole load of, of different things that we can do. So things like newsletters to educate users, um, things like, um, you know, having different um, initiatives to try and encourage employees to be more cyber aware and cyber secure. So it's it's partly raising awareness and finding presumably different ways of raising awareness, because I, let's face it, we all do a right today. We're going to look at cyber security and everyone yawns and switches off. Yeah. Um, and and to, be, to be honest, you know, it's about making those communications effective, um, interesting, um, you know, and different different formats. And like I said, you know, we talked about newsletters. It could be something as simple as, you know, in um, in bathrooms, having um, information on the back of the door um, that just sort of like talks about, you know, cybersecurity, you know, in, in your face type things. But also it's about that reverse way. So, you know, for you as an employee, how do you communicate internally should something happen? So it's about having those... Um, um, those lines of communication open so that if you see something, you can say something um, and let somebody know what's going on. That's a really good point because it would be so easy to go, I've done the wrong thing, but I don't want to admit it. Or let's hope it mm -hmm. and, and do that sort of classic human thing of let's hope that didn't wasn't actually as bad as I fear it was. Whereas what you're yeah. suggesting <laughs> is there should be easy ways of just holding your hand up. Exactly. And also, you know, rather than, you know, if you hold your hand up and say, look, I've done this, rather than somebody coming down on you and sort of like saying, well, that was really, you know, that was really bad and you're being punished for it. It's almost that that openness that you feel enabled to be able to, uh, to say, look, this has happened. What can we do now? Because it's much better to try and preempt something. So if you have downloaded something that you shouldn't to remove it before it, you know, it, anything else can happen or go wrong, um, rather than just, you know, hope and pray that you that you're okay <laughs> that's great and one of the other things i know you're keen to people get prepared for in advance is what to do if it does happen so the crisis communications planning yeah, I think that's really important. It's something that, that we as marketeers and, and PR people, we probably don't really get involved in this um, and, and we really should. So I suppose there are, there are a couple of elements to this and, you know, if I can just like, try and cover, cover them as succinctly mm. as I can. So I suppose, you know, it's the preempting what might happen. So it's thinking about what are we collecting? What data are we um, collecting on our customers, on our users? And what are we, what are we using it for? Um, do we need to collect it? I mean, obviously that brings us into GDPR and things like that. Um, but it's it's understanding what we are doing with that data and then making sure that our company knows, one, that we have that data and two, are taking steps to protect that data. So what could happen if it was um, infiltrated? So if we take a database of usernames and passwords, is that being stored securely? Is it encrypted? So if um, somebody got in and, and stole that database, what could they do with it? If it's encrypted, theoretically, that means that the data um, is is stored in a format that means it's all got different different um, symbols and things and it's not actually in plain text. So it can't be read, it can't be used. Um, do we need to store a username and a password in the same database or can the system collect those from different sources so that if the, the, if the email address is stolen, it means nothing because there's no password. And if the password is stolen, it's still means nothing because there's no email address, there's no identifying information. Um, mm -hmm. So for us as communicators, I think that's the first step is knowing what we're doing and making sure that, that the organisation knows what we're doing and is protecting it. Um, it's then looking at, you know, um, what could go wrong. So we as an organisation, 
you know, as PR protectors of the brand, if we suffer, if our organisation suffers a data breach, knowing what we are going to do in advance of that happening is better than trying to respond off the hoof and making, you know, and trying to, um, you know, so we have IT come to us and go, oh, by the way, this has happened. And then we as practitioners are sort of like then trying to get out there ahead of a, a story breaking about us as an organisation being breached for, theoretically. So it's knowing who is going to be the person that is going to identify that data breach or whatever's happened, and then how we as an organisation are going to respond to that and knowing all of that in advance of anything happening. So, you know, and again, this is a bit twofold. So we as brand ambassadors are likely to be, we could be the first source that knows that something has happened. It could be something on, on one of our social channels that alerts us that perhaps something has gone wrong. Um, it could be, you know, that we're seeing some, we've, you know, a journalist rings us up, you know, God forbid, and that's the first we know about it, you know, that we've got a journalist mm. saying, oh, I think your data is available on the dark web. <laughs> um, ah, but it's, yeah. it's those kinds of, you know, hopefully that never happens to anyone. Um, but it does, unfortunately. Um, so it's those kinds of things. And then it's building that, you know, that crisis communications plan so that, you know, when something happens, you know exactly who is responsible for saying what. Um, and to whom. And I always think, you know, from my perspective, that when things go badly, um, you need to be honest, you need to be factual, and you need to be timely in in providing that information publicly. Yes, that's, uh, I, I love that. Honest, factual and timely is is such a good mantra for anything to do with PR, but particularly crisis communications. So would you actually have a, um, a plan laid out or would you practice a walkthrough so that if this does happen, the PR people are warned and you haven't got that awful situation where you've got a journalist on the phone first? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think, I think you know, you always have to plan. You, you know, you plan, you, know, you plan for the worst and hope for the best, don't you? Um, and mm -hmm. I think that's, that's key with crisis communications is so that you know exactly, you know, you have a plan, you put it, you, and then you practice it. And that's how you identify, actually, that's not going to work. We need to look at that differently. And, and it could be anything. It could be from, um, you know, from IT teams not talking to the security team, not talking to the PR team, to the comms team, to the CEO not being involved. And it's just identifying who are the right people to be involved um, and, and getting those people together in a room regularly to check that nothing has changed so that, you know, you know, and it could be as simple as, you know, that a person who is key in the plan has left the organisation or they've even changed their mobile number. So it's identifying those little nuances um, so that if you are in that position where, you know, all hell's breaking loose, that you can be as calm and, and, and you know, and ready to deal with that because you know what you are going to do, what is expected of you. And that can be as simple as, you know, from a PR perspective, you know, having a way to record those those journalists that are ringing you up and who is responsible for getting the information back to them. Because there is nothing, you know, the last thing you want to do is leave leave the door open for people to start speculating about what's going on. You want to try and control that narrative. If you say to a journalist, I'm going to get back to you at this time, make sure that that's recorded and somebody gets back to them at that time. Even if it's just, we are still looking into this to determine exactly what has happened and we will come back to you at another later time and that somebody knows to do that. That's really interesting again, because it's all down to the small things. So in the same way, your, your data breaches happen because somebody doesn't somebody doesn't know something small and therefore releases information they shouldn't do or clicks a link they shouldn't do the PR planning is also about the small things somebody changing an 
email number, a, a mobile number, I can see your point. It could be absolutely disastrous if that's the person you need to get hold of. But it's such a small yeah. point. Yeah. I mean, if that's your spokesperson and you've got no way of reaching them, <laughs> that could be that could be quite serious for you. I mean, even if that's the security person, you know, and you need to make them aware that something has happened and you can't reach them, you know, that delay um, can be the difference between, you know, the breach being far worse and therefore your containment being far more serious um, to being actually able to get something resolved really quickly. Because being able to have a journalist come to you and say, this has happened, and you being able to speak to the security person and they come back to you and say, actually, this is why that has happened and it's it's down to X, Y, Z, and being able to clarify that really quickly um, and going back to the journalist and, and sort of like saying to them, you know, whatever it is that the, the statement is, um, is really important because that can make the difference between the external perception. Are you handling this really well or are you just, you know, do you look like you haven't got a clue what's going on? Um, and I think when it comes down to cyber risk, that's really important because that makes a difference to the business. If the business can be seen to be responding responsibly um, and honestly, that can protect you even when the worst has happened versus an organisation who looks to be trying to cover their tracks, pretend nothing's going on, or even worse, doesn't have a clue. Dulcie McCleary, um, Principal PR Manager for Tenable, thank you so much. That was really interesting. I've learned a lot about threat actors and um, social engineering attacks and business email compromise attacks as much <laughs> as, 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 along with many other things. Thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. The Cambridge Marketing Podcast from Cambridge Marketing College. Training marketing and PR professionals across the globe.